0: People that have good sleep heal much better, including whiz, pretend you got a cut on your hand or something. And the people, you look at it, people with good amount of sleep and good nutrition and everything, good lifestyle, they heal faster because the healing processes are focused on the injury, so to say, versus I'm trying to keep you up and going. So sleep hygiene is very, very important for overall health and good as recovery.
1: Mentoring with Geraldine is a bite sized practitioner podcast for naturopaths, nutritionists, herbalists, coaches, and practitioners. This podcast responds directly to the needs of you, the practicing natural therapist. We have interviews during the holiday season and business and mindset support each week, so you'll get the variety you need to enjoy and stay motivated in your practice. Don't forget to subscribe to receive the weekly episodes. And if you want to connect with me, always check the show notes, because that's where you'll find the links to book appointments, and of course, to join the Academy, the membership group, where there's constant connection and community with like-minded practitioners. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mentoring with Geraldine and the Bite Size Podcast. How the devil are you? So we're at part five with Dr. Brant McEwen and it has been an absolutely brilliant four sessions so far, and I know that you're going to love today, where we round everything up. Now, if you've just arrived at part five, don't forget to go back and listen to one, two, three, and four. You're going to learn so much from this amazing mentor and practitioner, his contact details are of course in the show notes along with links to any research that we discuss on any of the podcasts. So today we're going to look at lifestyle medicine Because we've talked about the medicines and we've talked about nutritional medicine, we've talked about herbal medicine, and we've talked about all of these parts of medicine. And in each of the podcasts, we did touch on lifestyle medicine. We have touched on breathing. We have touched on yoga. But I think to round out this series, this five-part series, we're going to have a deeper, a little bit of a deeper look at the lifestyle medicine that we can help our clients to introduce into their lives to help them with their mental health and mental wellness, which is where we're at today. So Brad, thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you back again at part five and our final part in the series.
0: Thank you very much. I'm really excited. So this one, you know, part five, with this one here, it's I'm always excited. So I'm, sorry, I'm excited with this one. So I'm always excited. So I'm excited. With this one here, we're focusing on the final touches. As you mentioned, we've discussed nutritional medicine, herbal medicine, and lifestyle medicine is this one. And some people call it lifestyle changes. And I try not to use that phrase because people don't like change. I don't use the word. So I use lifestyle medicine because it can be seen as a form of medicine. So we've talked to all the different nutrients, the vitamins, the minerals, talked about some amino acids, different types of herbs. Now we're getting into more the physical what we do each day kind of vibe. And this is when we can look at sleep hygiene, meditation, yoga, massage, establishing routine, I suppose, for some people in how we go about our daily day. Some people cover sort of diet under lifestyle medicine, which is partly true because it is a lifestyle when you do it. So it's how you eat and how you do everything. We'll talk about that in a moment. But nutrition's also nutrition. Hence so I was covering in a couple of sessions, podcast sessions ago. So starting off with just general lifestyle, what is lifestyle? So lifestyle is our style of life. And the words around. That's what we do every single day. And if you're eating your food in a rush because you're rushing in at the door, you're shoveling it in, or you're skipping meals, or eating while driving, or on the train, or public transport, or anything else, that's not a good lifestyle approach to consuming the right amount of fuel for your body. You might feel energetic, but you may not be eating the right foods and you're not taking it in. So in previous podcasts, we talk about the culture of eating and we talk about you know the cultural aspects of sitting down at the table and actually consuming it. And there's a lot of research showing that when people are involved with cooking and eating food at the table, people tend to have a healthier outlook on life and have a better quality of life. I'm like, that's just a simple little thing, but that makes a big difference for a lot of people is actually sitting down and eating. Sometimes I have some food at my desk while I'm working, but I will take that moment out I'm not working, as in a I'm at my desk, But I'm not physically working, I may be just sort of switching off the brain, eating a quick snack, not a major meal, but eating a quick snack to fuel up. And then I'll come back, go for a walk down the hallway, do something and come back and I'll switch the brain over. And I still may be at my seated desk like I am now, for example. Mm. But when I have main meals, I try and eat them away from any working environment because that really helps make a difference to your focus on what you're doing and you're consuming and you're being more holistic with actually consuming food and seeing it as nourishment not just as food. And that's the big difference there. And I well, want to also, emphasize that.
1: Yeah. There's also a lot of evidence for overeating when we're still working, overeating because we're watching TV. So we're not listening to the signals of our body. We are just consuming because we're busy. So when we sit at the table, so when my kids were little and nightmarish at the table, I would read stories because that would take their concentration. But because it's a story, and they can interact with me. They could, when they were full, stop eating. Whereas in front of the TV, even as children, they want to see the next bit. Whereas they know that the next page is still there. The concept for my son, you know, he'd be like, play it back, play it back. i be like, well, I can't. That's Sesame Street or whatever it is. It's live TV. I can't mm-hmm. play it back. You can, of course, now play it back. But who wants to play back a bit of TV because they've got to go and do something? It's not a thing. Whereas when we sit, we take the time. I don't sit at my desk to eat. I work from home. This is my front room, and I get up and I go to the table. I go to the dining room table, and I will make my food, and then I will choose where I'm going to sit. Am I going to sit on the front veranda? Is it you know is it a nice enough day to sit on the front veranda? I could sit in the back garden if I want sunshine on me because there's sunshine in the back garden. I can choose where I'm going to sit, but I made that conscious absolute conscious effort years ago I remember my husband coming home and said, what did you do today and I was like I don't know I did everything you know kids running around I was thinking what did I do today I was like well what did you do today he said well yeah I I did this I did that he said oh it was all much for muchness as well it's Friday and I have the soup in the canteen and I thought he has a lunch break like we're both running around doing our jobs but he goes to the canteen and he has lunch and he doesn't, he could sit at his desk, but he's not going to. And he can't, where he works, he can't eat. So it's like, hmm, goes to the canteen to eat. He's having a lunch break. I need to make a conscious effort with my children. Like we would, if we were around, you know, we'd have picnics. I regularly did picnics with my children at lunchtime. So they'd be like, what are we going to do for an hour? Right, like, let's have a picnic for lunch. And whether it be foul, I'd put the picnic rug on the floor in the lounge room and we'd all have a picnic because, you know, what do you do? But I suddenly realized, here I am running around doing all of these things. I'm working constantly. I'm studying constantly. I'm following up on clients. I can have a lunch break. It doesn't have to be long. And it's the same as with you. You might sit at your desk to eat, but you make that conscious effort to get up. You go for the walk. You do the things. You're not working whilst you're eating, whereas I was eating on the go. I was like, no, actually, sit down. Everyone out there, remember your boundaries. Take those boundaries. A little Take that time. Practice what you preach. Sorry, I interrupted there no, with sorry. the The lunchtime discovery.
0: Lunchtime discovery. A little change can make a big difference. Yeah. So once we've gone through our eating hygiene processes, as in like the physicalities of it, there are a number of lifestyle medicines I'd like to sort of bring up to wrap up this whole series. And some of them we've already alluded to is just getting up, using blood flow. So I get up, walk around. During meetings, I've done it. I've been in specific research meetings or different board meetings and different things and I've literally got up and walked around and people looked at and then they realize what I'm doing (laughs) because they know I will get up and walk around. I'm still paying attention, but I'm actually just moving because I've been sitting down for a while. So that's a general statement. So physical activity, I try not to call it exercise with people because they see that as a chore and I don't like exercise. So I just call it physical activity or just activity. Make it easy for people. Get up and walk. I park the car, extra Spaces away from the door, shopping or something like that. I make sure I walk that little bit. So there's little things I do each day to sort of turn around and say, right, did I get those extra steps in? Yes. And how did I do that? I moved. I did this. And there's a lot of good research coming through with physical activity and sports and just general activity. I looked over some research many, many years ago called the walking bus. This is very big in New Zealand, where the walking bus is a group of people that come along and pick up your kid. There's always a driver at the front who's from the school and different parents come along and they're like the conductors and the kids walk in line with the other kids and that's your walking bus. So yeah. they actually walk to school with a group of kids yeah. and they worked out those children that did that every morning and afternoon, so to and from school, had a higher outlook on life. And these are primary school, by the way. Mm-hmm. High outlook on life, they're happier. They did more sport at school because they're already physically active and they did more Then they performed better in class. And perform better in exams. So just because of that, yeah, they'll be yapping along the way or something. That's fine. But that, that was the idea. They hopped on the walking bus and all walked to school together. Yeah. And that was a big, couple of big research studies in New Zealand. Some of those schools kept it going. So that's where a lot of it research. You can have a look at it. Just type in walking bus. Yeah. And you'll, you'll see it come up. So that's a good activity. And I know some people that do that with their own kids. They'll walk them to school in the morning, walk early, and then they'll drive to school afterwards. I'm sorry, drive to work afterwards. It was a bit of their own exercise as well. And they they do with their son or daughter for that extra little bit of walking. So that's an easy thing. It's just movement, blood flow. But I want you to also think about the weight-bearing exercise, looking at osteoporosis, osteopenia, bone strength, muscle strength, sarcopenia in older people. You're ending up working with strengthening the muscles and the bones so the connected tissue gets enhanced because you're physically moving and you're putting pressure on it. So not just the circulation and blood flow and good for mental health, but you're doing the physical side. Because as I mentioned in podcast one, going all the way back, we talked about that mental health and physical health are interrelated. Mm. So if you can actually get up and move, it's a short amount of time, you're still doing that. You're still moving along. And I always have this sort of vibe is if you're moving and grooving, yeah, that's a good thing. As long as you're walking forward, you're walking forward in life. And it sounds a bit philosophical for episode five, but that's what it is. If you keep moving forward, you actually are moving forward and mm. not sort of going backwards in health. So that's a good one. Meditation we've talked about in a couple of episodes back. Back to meditation, we can talk about the breathing, the guided meditation. Again, a lot of research for brain health, brain activity, brain volume is increased from people who meditate. A lot more activity under MRI scans. So I just want you to think meditation. Going back to what we talked about in episode, is there's a lot we can do with just basic breathing and meditation. Breathe at the red stop lights. Meditate when you drop kids off at school or get into work. Just basic things. And it's sometimes it's the simplest things that we can do daily. We talked about you know, getting up the first five minutes and set your alarm if you want and just do some breathing techniques. This gets you going, gets you started. And that's a good way to do it. And meditation's free. You can get the free apps. Yeah. We can join classes and do guided meditations, but you can set your own up if you want. Yeah. It doesn't cost yeah. you a lot. And it doesn't cost you time because it's time that's well used. Meditation is a big thing. Being mindful. We talked about eating at the dinner table and doing things. Being mindful is very good. A lot of really good research on that with brain health as well. Yeah. Just general mindfulness of sort of processing and sort of thinking, well, okay, I'm eating, I'm at work, I'm driving. Like being in the moment is a very big thing because a lot of us aren't. I drift off sometimes. I think about other things and that's part of my meditation. Part a meditative state, I drift off. But then I bring myself back and be mindful of where I am. So if I know I'm going to do that, I'm never driving. I don't know where I'll end up, in the ocean or something behind me. So I'll pick places and I'll go into this mindfulness and I'll drift off and I'll think about things and think about a new journal article I'm writing on or think about work or or you know something else like that. Or it could be a trip, a holiday, or it doesn't have to be anything. It's just you're, you're letting it sort of process and sort of being in that mindful state and then switching into meditation and back again. I, I like to do that a lot. And some people would call it daydreaming in a way because sort of is you sort of you've moved yourself out of the scope, but it is quite exciting to do that process.
1: Because when we're in those meditative states, the whole sorry, not just meditative states, but the mindful state. So the mindful state means we're taking notice, and sometimes with our clients, they'll just say, "I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I can't do it." one of the things we can get them to do is write down exactly what they're doing in the day. So yeah, it does mean carrying around a piece of paper or using an app on their phone to say how they spent every 20 minutes. And what they will discover in that, even that executive that we talked about, I think in part one, if he were to write down or his, his assistant was to write down what he did in every 20 minutes, there would be moments of mindfulness or meditation within that. There are moments where we stare out the window and that is our brain processing. And our so brain needs to process. Well. Yeah, everything. We need to zone out. We need to relax. Our brain needs to relax. And these sleep hygiene daily, we talk about them, you know, eating hygiene, habit hygiene. I don't know hygiene's hygiene is the greatest word to go with it. But it's the way we set ourselves up to improve and the way we change, those little changes without using the word change. And that is the other thing is when you ask them, what exercise do you do rather than what sports do you play or do you go to the gym? Rather than a leading question that's a yes or no, is there what exercise do you take?
0: Well, that's it. It comes down to what can you do? If you ask someone, do you exercise, they say yes. And that's yeah. it. They move on. It's like, well, that hasn't helped anyone because exercise is different for everyone. If I look at it, I haven't properly exercised under definition since high school. You <laughs> know what I mean? If yeah. you look at it that way. Yeah. But if you look at other activities I've done and, and my daily walks, I physically do a 30-minute walk every single day. My watch tells me I time it and do everything properly. It's not always a steps; it's a movement. it's the time. And I can have an hour on my watch of physical activity, but I know I've done a 30-minute walk specifically on that walk. And that's a very helpful guide of looking at that. And that leads us into music, dance, and other areas that so we've to the side a little bit. Music's been around since the dawn of time of people, you know, banging on bongos and you know, different instruments that we've been making over the years and dance as well. It's very big sort of endorphin booster, both of them. And the very nice, calm and relaxing effect of both of them. Of course, they music and dance go together. So it's a matter of sort of working it out that way. And you, do, you can do it very easily. You don't have to go to a dance class or a nightclub or anything else to dance. You can just dance like no one's watching. and mm-hmm. listen to your favorite music. If you drive to work, you listen to music. You can put on a podcast such as this one. You can go into your office and put on music when you've got an activity and you can do things that way. Music's very calming and relaxing. And again, they've looked at the brain activity of people who listen and perform a lot of music, by the way, and dance, and the activity is much higher in a positive scope and the brain volume is much higher. So yeah. playing music, they've looked at casual musicians, to train musicians, to orchestra, to practice versus performance, and they've looked at heart rates and they're totally different. Because the stress of performing, of course, mm-hmm. gets added. But they've looked at it and they've found people are responding much better to stress in those avenues. Mm-hmm. So it's just simple little things. And I'm not saying learn an instrument because learning an instrument can be quite difficult, but why not? Give it yeah. a go. You might get something new and different and not saying go and become a band and be a hard rocker, or even though that might work. But, you know, get out there and do something and that could actually help you because it would be with other people. Is it social mm-hmm. isolation avenue that we've mm-hmm. talked a little bit about?
1: Now, if you can't learn the instrument, can you sing? Could you join a choir or something and get better at it? If you're like me, he's a really bad singer. And yeah, your voice is the instrument. That's right. You could dance instead. I mean, there's ways of using music that don't involve learning an instrument. You can
0: you get the and, conductor at the front <laughs> doing all the things. Like, that's music still.
1: Yeah. There's all sorts of ways of introducing that music into our lives, isn't there?
0: I could tell you something quick that some people may not know. During primary school, I was in the choir. I got tricked into it. I think I missed, I was at an event or something for the school and came back and they said, oh, everyone has to try out for the choir. Those these are my friends. And I'm like, oh, "All right, everyone has to try out. So I've gone and tried out and got in. And they looked at me and they said, well, joking. And I said, well, I got in. I was the D's because I had a deeper voice. Yeah. I then got to have days off school, <laughs> go to school events and perform in this choir at all different events. You know, got out and I'm looking at Laugh and laughing and going, hey, we're into it, but guess who's out and about? Yeah. But I, thought, I thought that was funny. But I think it was one of those. Trying to think, it was an art thing or something I did, and I missed the announcement that never actually happened. So they got I just just believe they got me on that one, but I had the last laugh because I got days off school, and we went to the the choir competitions and made it to like the final round and like all that kind of stuff that you laugh at and you're like, well, there you go. Just made me think. And now you're a doctor. There you go. You've got your PhD, but not in music. Not in music. You know that would be fun. But that's something simple, and I'm thinking that what's one of the best ways to it?
1: Oh, maybe that would be sleep.
0: Now, sleep itself, whether it's a short burst, a natter nap they call it, I close my eyes, kind of nap, as people say, um, or a full sleep. That's the big difference. Your sleep is one of the best recovering avenues. So when you get really tired, stressed, irritable, the whole lot, the body wants to shut you down to sleep, and sleep's a very good recovery tool. So there was a period of my life, due to how busy I was, I was getting three and a half hours sleep at night. Mm. And I did that for a long period of time because I had to, happy to tell people that because people need to know. So during that time, I just point to the solar panel and I put on weights and different things, but you don't realize until later on, you know, this is what's happening to you because your body doesn't need hair, it doesn't need this, it doesn't, you know, it start, things start changing. So, But it took me a while, I was busy at work, and then I elongated that, I still don't get the appropriate time some of the research is anywhere between six to nine hours sleep remember it's quality not just quantity anything less than six has been linked to chronic diseases and that's where i sit most of the time because i'm around that six or less mark because of my workload and what i do and then they're saying anything longer than nine is actually just as bad Mm -hmm. for some people because it's slowing everything down and we talked in episode one we talked about the up and go and again in episode three with stress you need that little bit of stress to keep you going So some people's bodies were so relaxed that they didn't need to get up and they ended up with like a chronic fatigue syndrome effect where their body just couldn't do it. But I always say to people, look, it's the quality of sleep, get the dark room, get the right temperature. I'm not the big fan of the blindfold and the earplugs and stuff like that for people because I think that's an artificial environment. I know people like it and I know people prescribe it, but I try and get people to have a sleep hygiene routine instead where they wind themselves down, get off the computer and bones and stuff like that, wind themselves down, have a cup of chamomile tea or whatever, go back to the herbal nerve winds. do a process into it to wind your body down rather than an artificial blocking out because that's switching the body too quickly and it doesn't know what's happening. It just thinks you're closing your eyes or something, I think. So you process it and work more effectively, wind yourself down. And then when you're in bed, do your guided meditation, close your eyes and relax your shoulders and relax your legs and go through each body system and actually feel the <laughs> muscles relax when you say, Breathe in, breathe out, relax the shoulders. You can actually do the whole process in the body. Because if you look at lack of sleep and lack of quality rest, there's cardiovascular disease, cardiometabolic, type 2 diabetes, Alzheimer's dementia, osteoporosis. There's a whole list of things I've got written next to me. Sensitivity issues overall, but insulin insensitivity. There's a whole heap of different, not just cardiovascular, cardiometabolic, but a whole lot of neurotransmitters because the body needs to rest. But what's interesting for me is the body needs to rest, but it's still active. Like we were saying before, it's still processing the brain, kidney, everything. Everything's still working, but it's working at a different level. The automatic state is now taken over effectively, and you're not walking, talking, doing things. So it's able to focus on its own healing process. Yeah. And people that have good sleep heal much better, including wounds. Pretend you've got a cut on your hand or something. And the people, you look at it, people with a good amount of sleep and good nutrition and everything, good lifestyle, They heal faster because the healing processes are focused on the injury, so to say, versus I'm trying to keep you up and going. So sleep hygiene is very, very important for overall health and good as recovery. And I know some people that need 10 hours sleep every single night because that's what they need. That's okay. Some people just need six every night. It's the quality as well. If you're stressing out about not getting enough sleep, that could be worse than not getting enough sleep. Do you know what I mean? So we need to sort of process that a little bit more effectively and say, okay, should I switch things off half an hour earlier, 10 minutes earlier? What's my winding down process? Am I watching a movie late at night with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Rambo and they're blowing things up and getting the adrenaline and cortisol up? Yeah. You're not going to sleep as well because you just activated the sympathetic nervous system, the danger, danger. Remember the fight or flight response? Yeah, listening so, to the news later To time. the news is enough these days to cause stress. So you're throwing yourself in a fight or flight response, and then saying, "I need to go to bed." Yeah, then it doesn't work like you need to. If you watch a good movie, and there's a lot of the movies out, TV shows, etc., switch it off when it's finished. Don't start watching the next one. Wind yourself down, relax, and turn and say, "Right, I've even said to people, tell yourself it's time to go to bed to sleep." It sounds funny. You're telling your body and your mind, the brain, that you're going to bed. Hop into bed, close your eyes. Right, it's time to sleep now. We're about to go to sleep. You're switching the brain. You're telling it what's going to happen. And then, like I said, you can do your breathing exercises mm-hmm. and say, okay, relax the shoulders, relax your muscles overall, and roll. And you start to feel and you slow down. And that's a very good calming process. You may sit in the lounge first, meditate, relax, do different techniques, and then get up and get a bit. That's fine. Some people would say getting up is reactivating. No, it's not because you've already been in that meditative state. Try not to count sheep and other things. Do mathematical equations, as some people will say because my brain works differently like that yeah go okay, right you've got two sheep if another two sheep come through that's four what happens if one trips and there's another one this I start doing physics and calculus and I start doing all these calculations in my brain because my brain loves science and math and stuff I would never set my brain up to do something like that because I'm going to activate it so instead I do the opposite I shut it down by saying it's time to go to sleep Let's do some meditation and let's process we're going into sleep mode and you want to call it sleep mode and you can slow yourself down
1: I'm sure anyone who lives in the countryside should not count sheep because they're used to corralling sheep and getting the dog out and it would actually turn into work for them. I missed one. Oh, no. <laughs> I missed one. Oh no, he's on the other paddock. So, yeah, so we need to emphasize with our clients this lifestyle medicine. So we've got exercise, doing it at the right time of day, working out for them when the better time of day is. Some people, it might be the morning when the cortisol is high. Some people, it might be in the afternoon, the style of exercise, you know, Pilates, yoga, going for a run. I mean, going for a run is meditative. My husband goes on at me that he thinks I'd enjoy running because, you know, he's in his own world when he's running. I'm like, but the nun said, you stay in his own world because that's his
0: world and he's created. Well, yeah, I go for a walk at the end of every day.
1: Oh, yeah. No, the nun Wind said off. to us, the nun said to us, don't run. I think they meant don't run in the corridors, but I'm taking it as a life moment and I don't run. So we've got to think about. The exercise, the meditation, the healthy routines throughout. So do they need three meals a day? Not necessarily. Everybody's different. You know, we could say, oh, their liver doesn't work. They don't want to eat in the morning. We could just say, well, who says three is the number?
0: Probably back over history, three has only been since like the 1800s. Yeah,
1: since the cereal companies came on board. So three, what is our number? It might be that they work better on two. We want to do some fasting with our clients, especially fasting overnight. If we can do 14 hours with them, we're going to help that mitochondria. We're going to help those telomeres. And that can be part of this lifestyle medicine is going, let's fit in some 14-hour fasting, which is only 7 p.m. until 9:00 a.m.
0: It's not a long time. As long it's, as people
1: think. No, she you finish dinner and you stop eating.
0: It, you stop it scares to- people when you're saying that length of time. It's like, well, now you've had dinner. That's it. Yes, you can have some water for hydration because we haven't talked too much about water.
1: You can have chamomile tea. You can have your herbs. You can can have have different things. Chances are you can still have your nutrients, your bedtime nutrients, because there's no calories in there. There's no sugar in there. So you can still have those bedtime nutrients and still fast to help your mitochondria, to help you live longer, healthier, and to start that relaxation process and that hygiene process towards bed. Because... If you really have stopped eating at 7 o'clock, if you were snacking at 11 p.m. in the past, then you might just go to bed a bit earlier to skip that snacking time because you'll be asleep and the body the can deal with it. was just restarted the whole process. You so. don't want to put a snack in at bedtime. Obviously, it's slightly different if you're diabetic. You need it's to do your own thing. Remember that, please. We're not talking about people's individual health here. We are talking about lifestyle overall as a general concept. Yes. So if you have diabetes from that, you might not go fourteen hours. That's okay. I'm not just get myself out of that legal loophole.
0: Um, <laughs> well that's one thing and we'll talk about that briefly. So there are some legalities with a lot of things we've talked about in this podcast series. So it's always a matter of always read the label, follow the directions, talk to a health professional. If symptoms persist, definitely talk to someone about it, a health professional. Because we are talking about medicine after all, and that's something we need to think about. And sleep medicine is a whole new avenue. It's only a decade old or something. It's it's relatively new, and that's a different. We haven't had time. We've dropped into that a little bit, but there's a whole big avenue for sleep medicine. Yeah. You know, enough hydration, the right nutrients, the right herbal medicines, everything takes place for the right person. And generally speaking, holistically, we've covered a lot of topics in this five series, five podcast series. There's a lot of things we haven't talked about due to time. And that's when you can talk to either one of us. If you go to a conference or see us out, you know, have a chat to us. We're happy to talk with you. Talk to your, your general health professional and just sort of, and if you are a health professional, talk with your colleagues if you ever stuck. Because there's a lot more we could talk about in these podcast sessions that we've done, and we've just sort of just hit the surface, really, haven't we, yeah. Geraldine? Yeah. We've just sort of totally just.
1: Totally just hit the surface. surface. Now, since this is our last one, have you got a client that comes to mind that you can share with the audience that you worked mainly in lifestyle medicine with them. And let's finish on a bit of a story for everybody about the changes. I'll give you a minute to think about someone because I did just dump this on people. He didn't have time to think about this so that we can see the changes people make. And yeah, there might be supplements in there and yeah, there might be herbs in there. But is there someone that really pops to mind that you made the lifestyle changes, not just your coffee man in part one, but now can you Share a client with us just so we can close on a client.
0: Yes, we can. So, as you said that, because this was dropped on me, so you said that I had someone pop in my mind, the right person, which is quite interesting because this lady came to see me. She ended up having her children come and see me, and husband came last because husbands normally come in later because they're 10 foot Mm -hmm. tall and bulletproof, typical male. So, she was a 38 year old female. So, she came to see me for stress, anxiety, etc. So it's a great topic to talk about, which is why I probably jumped in quickly. And she worked in two different jobs and they were sort of more office-based, but because it was a young family with a few kids, she had two different jobs. They were both part-time, but the mathematics was about 50 hours a week kind of thing because part-time is part-time, spread out quite long. And she had the stress of the, you know, the young family. She had her first daughter when she was quite young. And then a couple of other kids came along later on in the relationship. And they're buying a new house. So there's all these different stressors coming in. So you think about it two jobs, husband working, couple of kids, buying a house and general everyday life. Let's just say so, that centrally. And she was also sensitive, which throws out a lot of normal things we've covered so far out of the five that we've covered on podcast. So I had to start off gentle. So I started off with what do you do when you get up? Or we did the meditation, the breathing exercises walking around so sounds funny but I start off so gentle with her go for a walk at the end of each day be mindful process step away from the desk or your workspace when you go and eat gave her some basic nutritional stuff not supplements just some advice of you need a little bit more protein nuts and seeds she didn't eat a lot of meat etc so we got in fish once a week chicken once a week she wasn't vegetarian vegan but that's what she wanted and the rest is all made up of our vegetarian sauces but most of it focused on her becoming more present and working on her sort of lifestyle side of mindfulness, being present. Because when she got home from, from works, she didn't want to talk with the kids. And the kids are, um, you know, five, I think they were, five, six, as in, what's this, what's this, what's this, tell me, tell me, all right. So they want to know, and she didn't feel like it. And that made her even more stressed. And I said, well, what you do? just explain to them that you've just got home, which is very hard to explain to kids, but they actually can do this. Just got home from work, give me a couple of minutes to change my clothes and relax and that, and then we can have a chat about something. And saying something as simple as that helped her stress levels. so then she knew she could wind down for five minutes, do some breathing techniques, quick meditation, and then go and talk with her kids who jump all over and were excited to see her, like a set of happy puppy dogs or something. They were excited to see her at the end of the day, and it was simple as part of her meditation began with the kids as well, because she was able to be present and calm and relaxed. The husband would turn up later because his work hours were different. So she was arriving home with the kids and the oldest daughter was old enough to actually look after the kids because that was the age gap. Right. So that sort of took some of the pressure off that she'd get home from high school, for example, with enough time to have had the kids be dropped off from the school bus and sort of you know, get them changed and did that sort of a lot of stress for a teenager to sort of mother children, but that she ended up being a patient later. It's a different story. It's sort of... The lifestyle medicine worked with her in that point where she was able to sort of wind down, calm down, meditate, and sort of isolate herself for a moment before the whole family jumped on her, literally. the sort of the everyday life. And that was the exciting thing with seeing that was the first couple of weeks of appointments, I saw big changes with doing very little of the other medicines. And then the time came for me to use nutritional and herbal medicines to help support her and Normally, with some patients, you'd do it the other way. You'd do the herbs and nutrition first to get in there and support. But this person was so sensitive that she'd jump down to me like she, her nervous system was so shot in a way that if I gave her any heart and nutritional health medicines, high doses, it would have taken her out. It would have been too strong for her, so to say, even at half the dose. So I, I eased them in by doing quarter dose of magnesium powder and then a B-complex over time introduced it while maintaining longer Meditations and breathing techniques. So that's just a quick example of something that changed relatively quickly. I'm doing little to start with. From a professional side, I thought I didn't do much because you yeah. want to do everything, yeah. don't you? You want to do everything for someone. Oh, uh, you wanted to make the minor changes and to see the yeah. major differences in that short amount of time. Yeah. It satisfied me as a health professional to say, I've actually done more than I expected. And then from there, that's the condition of us health professionals. We want to do everything to help everyone. That is a good one and a bad one to have at the same time. We need to take the pressure off ourselves. Yeah, and That was one of the other podcasts we did a couple of years ago, remember? We did the uh, I'm a Nutritionist one, remember? Yeah. We did that one, taking the pressure off. Yeah. So um, and that's something we still have to live by, is believing in yourself and knowing you can do things. It's your confidence boost at the end of the series. Believe in yourself and know you can do things and take your time out to do those things and do the things you enjoy and do the things you love, but also allow time for you to do the other things in life so you can help other people. Yeah. You can help, help your children or your friend, if you're a professional, help others, but you can't do that if you're burning out yourself. And that's something we have to remember is do all these things ourselves as well.
1: Absolutely. That is a brilliant ending because it is time to go. We have had our five-part series. We've covered, hopefully, not all, but a lot of the aspects so that you can think as the listener outside the square. You can think, oh, I've got to help this person to integrate these changes that will hopefully calm them down. And I had a client, I'm going to talk about one client I had, she was doing schnitzel every night of the week because she was in such a routine. So it'd be beef schnitzel one night, chicken schnitzel another night. She'd do like a fish schnitzel or a pork. It was always a different schnitzel, but it was always deep fried food. And she said, I'm not coping. I'm being bullied at work. I love my job. I'm full-time. I've got a about the same age actually five and seven I think it was and husband works full-time kids are in after school care we alternate the nights who picks them up from after school care we get home but I cook the dinner because it's just faster he's too slow we've got to get it on the table and so our change was to reduce one schnitzel a week she didn't do schnitzel at the weekend because she had longer I mean her whole outlook on life changed by changing one schnitzel at a time so maybe that's the whole thing of all of this is change one snitzel at a time. Take out a snitzel and put in something else. So I know praise for the series. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> change one snitzel at a time, people. That's all we need to do sometimes with our clients because they don't know what you don't know, but you can't see into yourself and into what's going on on with you. That's why as practitioners we need to see other practitioners or our own health and not do it ourselves. That's why we can't heal ourselves. We have to go to others so they can look in at us and go, well, actually, you know what? You never stop for lunch. You're fasting, but then you don't actually eat. You're actually going over the 16-hour marker where it doesn't do you any good anyway. So, but we need other people to spot that and see that for us. And so lifestyle medicine, using all of our medicines, is what makes a complete package for our client. So thank you so much, Brad, our series together. It's been absolutely brilliant. And we will do another one later in the year or maybe for the new year again next year. I'm sure I can convince you to come back because we do have lots of fun doing these. So for everyone who's been listening, don't forget that five-star review. We only want five. We don't want less than five. So if you're not going to do five, just head on home. But you've made it to the end of the series. You've made it to the end of the podcast. So obviously you're enjoying it. We're doing something right Our email addresses, of course, along with how to book in with Brad if you wanted some mentoring or you wanted an appointment, the links are all in the show notes. So thank you so much, Brad, for being with us and thank you listeners for being along for the ride.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thanks so much for joining me today. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast for the weekly episodes. If you'd like even more support and learning, then the Academy is for you.